Hi, I'm Bill Pickett. Welcome to what I hope will be the first of a series of podcasts based on my blog. I've been posting to this blog since 2008. I've used it to share my thoughts, views, opinions on what I see happening in the world around me. I've been particularly interested in economics, public policy, spirituality, and sociology. Yeah, I have a wide range of interests. And I always have good intentions about posting regularly, but honestly it turns out to be sporadic at best. Like you, I imagine, I'm dealing with the social distancing of the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, I just returned from a four-mile walk through my neighborhood, even though the temperature here in Rochester is just barely out of the 20s. Even though I've been retired for 14 years, and very happily so, I find that even I now have more time on my hands and thought I would give podcasting a try. My hope is that basing a podcast on the written blog might make it easier for more people to access what I have developed. You can see my past blogs at billpickett.blogspot.com. That's B-I-L-L-P-I-C-K-E-T-T dot blogspot.com. And by the way, when you're there, you can also sign up to subscribe to any new postings. Now I'd like to share with you my latest blog, A Crisis, an Opportunity, which I posted on March 21st, 2020. Rahm Emanuel made the following observation on November 19th, 2008. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not before. Emanuel, who was the chief of staff for Barack Obama's first term, said this as the new administration was preparing to take over the national government. During the growing COVID crisis, I think it has a particular relevance, although I would restate the opportunity. It's not that we can do things we should have done, but for which we have been able to build political support. Rather, this is an opportunity to reconnect with values that have become substantially less salient to our national life. In 1985, Robert Bella and a group of fellow sociologists published a study of the American character entitled Habits of the Heart, Individualism and Commitment in American Life. In May of 1985, Charles Champlin, a writer for the Los Angeles Times, wrote the following about the book. The title is from Alexis de Tocqueville, who, writing about us in Democracy in America from 1835 to 1839, discovered habits of the heart. He named family life, religious convictions, and participation in local politics as helping to form the unique American character. They were habits that would help sustain free institutions, the Tocqueville said. 
But he also suggested that individualism, a word, by the way, he was one of the earliest to use, and long since a catchword for the American character, could prove dangerous, setting citizens apart from one another, making positive collective action difficult, if not impossible, and therefore threatening those same free institutions. I read The Habits of the Heart shortly after publication and found it full of insights. It helped me, as a college administrator, better understand the society for which we were preparing students. My takeaway was this. There were two principles at work in the American character. One was communitarian and the other was individual. Our past could be read as the dynamic interplay between these two, the urge to be a strong individual and the urge to be part of a community. Bella and his fellow authors expressed a concern that the creative balance between these two had been shifting. Since the late 1940s, individualism had been gaining strength and communitarian values were fading. If this trend continued, they feared, the American character and society could be damaged in significant ways. More than 30 years later, that concern has become urgent. I believe that the COVID-19 pandemic can be an opportunity for America to rediscover its deeply rooted communitarian values, which have been overshadowed by individualism. Perhaps a rebalancing is now possible. The pandemic is and will be a challenging and intrusive experience for all Americans. It may well be the marker for the rising generation, much as 9-11 was for the millennials. The pandemic is forcing many, but not all Americans, to confront the reality that short-term optimization of one's economic and social assets may lead to a sub-optimization of the economic and social assets of the larger community. It would be nice, I suppose, if the single-minded pursuit of my own self-interest would somehow result in the improvement of the conditions of everyone. But even Adam Smith's invisible hand required a society where the common good was clearly in mind for all. It didn't take some special focus on the common good because that was assumed. All that worked pretty well in the more rural-based face-to-face societies. But that focus began to break down with industrialization and urbanization. While we could discuss which is better, individualism or commitment to community, we would never come to conclude that one is better than the other, or at least we shouldn't. We need both, not one at the expense of the other. Ours is not a choice between a totalitarian communism or the objectivism of Ayn Rand. We need a slighter variable that will move toward individualism or toward communitarianism based on the circumstances and challenges we face. 
the creative tension between these two fosters the vitality and creativity of a social group. There is no absolute best state. The optimum moves between but never to the two extremes. Bella and his associates were concerned that the movement toward individualism would be so drastic that the balance would be permanently damaged. What we are all experiencing now is the dysfunction of extreme individualism that sees no problem with compromising the health of others as long as people can do what they want to do. I deserve a spring break, so I'm going to the beach and the bars. I always get together with this group of friends at a restaurant. Why should I change my plans? I'm willing to run the risk of getting the virus let other people worry about themselves. I'll worry about me. The virus has not come to my neighborhood. Why should I change my behavior? Some are realizing now, and soon everyone will, that what I do impacts not only my health, but also that of others, especially those whose age and or underlying conditions place them at increased risk of negative outcomes from an infection. We all have the chance to experience not our equality with others, but our solidarity with them. We have the opportunity to experience a conversion, a change of heart. I don't mean this in any political or economic sense. I don't even mean this in a religious sense we have the opportunity to experience an always present but often hidden reality. We, all of us, are in this together. Not just this pandemic, but life. We are called to act out of this change of heart in ways that most of us have never experienced. Because this pandemic will spread throughout the country, touching every state and locality, we all can experience what it means to be a community, with each of us doing what we can to help others, especially those who are often invisible. I harbor no illusions that this spells the death of individualism. That would be disastrous. But maybe, just maybe, we can recalibrate our slider and move back toward those communitarian values that have always been an essential part of what makes us America. Humanity has been at this point often in its history. When the poet and priest John Donne lay seriously ill with spotted fever during an epidemic in 1624, he wrote a book of prose reflections entitled Devotions Upon Emergent Occasions, where his most famous lines, ironically prose, not poetry, appear. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. 
any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. We are likely to hear many bells tolling over the next month. If we can take Dunn's sentiment to heart and act on it, perhaps there will be fewer and we will be less diminished.